Hello, and welcome to Building Community with Whitney and Anu. We are two Asian American millennials who aim to empower our communities through our stories and words, one cup of tea at a time. So unless you live under a rock, you've probably heard of Squid Game, which has quickly become a global phenomenon out of South Korea. It's a TV show on Netflix. We thought it was important to talk about it because it has a predominantly Asian cast and it's got a lot of themes that a lot of people find relatable right now. And additionally, it's a really unique story. And so we will be discussing the show in its entirety, including potential spoilers. So if you haven't seen it yet, we have 20 other episodes of Building Community for you to listen to. And you have about 10 episodes of Squid Game to watch. So we will wait here while you go do that. Okay, so let's pretend we waited. (laughs) Now we're continuing on. And so how did we get introduced to Squid Game, Whitney? For me, I I think what happened was I had been seeing it on the Netflix top 10 shows. And usually when I see like Netflix top 10 shows, it's it's with a big uh, name, like maybe like Ryan Reynolds or someone. And there's like big name actors and actresses involved. Or it's like a show that was... Um, adapted from a really like popular best-selling book and it just like shot up the charts but this one was interesting because I had never heard of it before it was a foreign show so when I saw it I was like okay let's see what this is about I had also been referred to it by a friend so I went into it not knowing what it was about but after watching it I could I could tell that it was one of those shows that really resonated with people not because there were like famous actors involved or famous directors but just pure extraordinary storytelling in my opinion so that's how I got into it I think you had asked me if I had seen it and I said no so kind of like how Bridgerton came up I was like oh I'm curious about this show and um I I thought the colors were really neat. Like I saw the commercials and the advertisement for it. And I thought that there was a lot of surrealism within the the commercial with the, with the guards and also with the backgrounds. I mean, the backgrounds look so cheerful and it's not a cheerful show by any means, but I thought it was really interesting. I don't really watch a lot of K-dramas. And so I was really curious. And so I was like, oh, sure, I'll watch it. And then once I started watching it, I couldn't stop watching it. So I binged it within two days. Yeah, and I'm glad I watched it. It's very bingeable. Yeah, I, I do think this was a Bridgerton situation where I was like, Whitney, you need to watch this. And I was like, okay, like, it's like, what am I going to do? Watch Umbrella Academy for the 50th time? Maybe. <laughs> so I watched uh, Squid Game. It's a good show. Um, I watched it by myself. Uh, my partner's not really into shows like that, um, nor are my cats. My cats watched it with me, like, partially. Okay, so, what was, uh, what were their reactions? Well, Pearl is my little goth kid. And so she likes shows about death. And so like the show has a lot of death in it. So she thought it was quite intriguing, but then she left about halfway through. And so Rose came and watched it with me. So I don't know. They, they seem to enjoy it. They each watched about half the series each. 
Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. No, like judgmental uh, stares from any of them. No, I don't think so. No, no, not with not like Shit's Creek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So uh, yeah. Whitney had sent this like picture of like one of her cats um, watching Shit's Creek, and it was like the most judgmental face. Yeah, my cats are really judgy. It's the episode where, um, well, you haven't seen Shit's Creek, have you? Yeah, I actually I have. Oh, you have? You watched the whole thing? Not the whole thing. Okay. So have you seen the episode where David lip syncs Tina Turner to his boyfriend, Patrick? No, and, no. Oh, it's really cute and like really gay. And so um, he was lip syncing as like, a, I'm sorry, gift to his boyfriend. And Rose was just like judging like really hard. And um, <laughs> if I can figure out how to do it, I'll put it in the show notes. If not, I'll put it on our Instagram because it's just really funny. It has nothing to do with our podcast, but it's really funny. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. I remember one time we were in a book club together and either Rose or Pearl, like just like gave me like the biggest glare. And I was like, what was that? I didn't even do anything. It was definitely Pearl. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So um, back to Squid Game. What is it about? There is this main character. Uh, his name is Ji Hoon. And he goes through these financial struggles. First of all, he has a little bit of an issue with gambling. Um, so in the first episode, we see him sort of like bet on um, like racing games and things like that. And He's just one of those people who's who's like, oh, if I lose this time, I'm going to get it the next time. So let me bet even more money and get even more in debt. Um, so he has a gambling issue. He's in deep debt. He's separated from his uh, his ex and they both have a small daughter together. And the family situation is actually like really kind of heart-wrenching because you can see that Ji-hoon really cares about his daughter, but he can't really show up for her. Financially, he can't show up for her. Uh, emotionally, he can't really show up for her because he's just he's just a little bit all over the place with his own personal struggles. So this character, he's basically forgotten by a very capitalistic society that values money. Um, I don't know if that sounds familiar, <laughs> but maybe there are parallels with our current world. Ji-hoon, he gets invited to this mysterious island where people can earn money by competing in kids' games. There's different games that we'll go into a little more detail about. It sounds like a nice premise, right? Like, children's games very innocent very pure and if you win you you earn money and the amount of money is pretty mind-boggling it's like i forget what the currency is but it's like basically the equivalent of millions or billions of dollars and so jihoon goes to the island he competes in the first game and the first game is like the real shocker because uh they're playing this game called red light green light and that's the game where, you know, someone shouts red light, green light, and you stop moving when it's uh, red and you go when it's green. It's basically like Simon says, if you don't, if you don't follow those instructions, then you're out. Like if you keep on moving when they say red light, then you're out. So he plays this game and it's just like that 
whole scene where they were playing the game was just crazy. Like that was one of the, that is a scene I think that'll stick in my mind forever. That was just so like well shot. Um, yeah. So they're playing this game and then that's when everyone realizes because <clears throat> he's playing this game with other very disenfranchised people who are in debt or can't make ends meet and they really need the money. And that's when everyone sort of realizes that this is like a life or death game because whoever is uh, still moving when it's uh, red light and basically like not uh, losing the game, they get shot like they get shot to death. So it's it's a crazy uh, first game and it continues on with uh, different games where the characters, you know, have to basically be the last one standing or else they're killed off. And it's very interesting. But yeah, we can go into a little more detail about the different games. That first game, when you said that it was really impactful for you, I thought it was really interesting too. I actually remember seeing, so you know, the creepy giant girl, like she's the motion sensor. Yeah, how could you forget? That was iconic. Yeah. Sometimes I still hear her little voice like inside my head. And then it's, it's almost comical in a way because it's like, you know how Quentin Tarantino, have you seen like any Quentin Tarantino movies where it's like, he has this really like joyful music to like yeah. someone dying to like fight scenes. And so it kind of is tarantino-esque like through an american's eyes in some ways because it's like this little girl motion sensor and she sounds all innocent and stuff and she kind of sounds like one of those baby dolls that like a lot of american um children get and so these people like they're all in debt and they all have a bunch of purposes for joining these games and they think this is going to be a walk in the park right and so they're like walking through and then like right after like people are still moving um and she shoots them and then people freak out and they want to go home. But of course they can't really go home until later because you're in the game. That's one of the rules. And so I just think about like how shocking that would be for someone who actually would go through that, where it's like, you think you're going to play a children's game and you had just like had your dignity taken away from you by getting slapped by the recruiter guy. And I had never heard of that game, by the way, the one where you, you try to flip the squares. Had you ever played that before? Yeah, so that was a game where basically they threw the square on the ground and if if it flipped over, then you won. And if it didn't flip over, then the other person's allowed to slap you in the face. So uh, no, I had it. It sounds familiar, but I don't think I had heard of it. Yeah, I never heard of it either. But um, yeah, it's like you either get some money or you get slapped. And so it's like you've already been broken down by these these kind of infantilizing games because like a lot of people like they could relate to like being slapped by their parents maybe or they could be um or just like weird punishments like as children like the whole show has this theme of grown adults being infantilized because the system didn't work out for them in various ways and so we can talk more about that later but the games are really interesting because some of these are games that a lot of american children had had grown up with but some of them are distinctly Korean like for example the sugar honeycombs game which is I'm not really sure what it's called the real um it's called Delonga candy um with the shapes um but in the American translation we had to watch it with the subtitles and it was called sugar honeycombs so sugar honeycombs when you had to cut out the shapes and you had a needle 
and everyone got a shape. So there's really simple shapes where it's like you have a triangle or a circle or a star or an umbrella. And the umbrella is really complicated. And of course, Ki-hoon picks out the umbrella and he tries to cut it out and he tries to get it. And some people cheat, like there's a character that lights up, that lights up the needle. So heat melts the sugar and it's really interesting. It's really heartbreaking to see people accidentally break the cookie because then they get shot immediately. And then you see people be like, oh, one more chance. And especially when it's for the simple shape, like the triangle, like, I think there's someone who like had a triangle and it broke and that was really sad, but I thought that was like a distinctly Korean, um, not experience, but like, that's a candy that they might've grown up with. Cause I didn't grow up with those. Yeah. And I mean, I just want to play that game so much. First of all, it sounds delicious. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm definitely going to eat it afterwards. Uh, the honeycomb, but some of these games, like I had heard of some of them, the honeycomb one I wasn't familiar with. And I was just thinking that is so like, that is so innovative and genius for like a parent who has a kid indoors or like, you know, is trying to find some kind of activity for their kids. It's like, it's so cool. I, I, I love the idea. It's pretty cool. It's like, here, shut up and cut out a Tilgona candy. But yeah. Yeah. And it's rewarding too. I mean, you get a shape. I think it's, I think it's cool. Um, actually there's a lot of cooking videos right now where you can learn how to make the Delgona candies. I just, um, saw a video from a person who is on YouTube that oh. I really like, and he made the Delgona candies. Nice. But, nice. Is it yeah. easy to do it? It's pretty easy, but it's also easy to mess up. Essentially you get a bunch of sugar and you put it over low heat. So it melts and you you flatten it but it's really easy to mess up because sugar can be kind of fickle but it's it's cool nice yeah. nice a game that i remember growing up with is a uh, i grew up with tug of war and hopscotch i feel like marbles is more of a um that's more the previous generations because i didn't grow up with marbles i collected marbles but i never played it yeah so the tug of war game that was really cool because what happened was that there was two teams playing tug of war and each of these teams were like made up of uh, the different players. There's about like, I forget how many players there were, like maybe 500, right? In total. I thought there was 456 because Gihun was the last one, right? Ah, gotcha. Or, 456. So they were split into groups and Jihoon's group had women in it. So they, and it had an a very old man. So they immediately thought that they were at a disadvantage because some of the other groups had all men in it and just very strong men. And they believed in tug of war because, you know, it's sort of a physical game that whoever had the most physical strength would, uh, would win. So to raise the stakes on this game, it sounds like, oh, it sounds like a regular tug of war game to, to raise the stakes. They're actually playing tug of war on this platform where there's like a hole in the middle and whoever, um, whoever pulls the other team and wins, they basically pull this other team into this hole where they fall like 10, 20 feet and then die. So the stakes are very, very high in this tug of war game. But I thought it was so interesting because some of these games, including this one was about strategy. And in this game, the way they strategized and used their team to their advantage, 
it's it's kind of hard to explain, but what they did was they kind of used um, momentum to defeat strength and ended up winning the tug of war. And it was very, very fun to watch. I thought that was really cool too. I mean, I wasn't sure if K-drama roles are the same as American roles where the main character doesn't die, at least until the very end. You know what I mean? So like, I was like, okay, well, Ki-hoon's team probably isn't going to die, but and these are like the other team, like it wouldn't make sense for the other team to win because these are just extras basically. Like, so I, I had kind of predicted that, but I wasn't sure. I was like, oh, maybe with K-drama, it's a twist where it's like, it looks like they die, but they don't, but no, the other team dies. And so, yeah, I thought that was really interesting where they had a different strategy and I guess it would work in real life, right? Like with the, it's physics because they, they essentially lean back. Yeah. And, um, you have to see it. It's, it is hard to explain. They basically trick their opponents. So what they do is like, they give them a little bit of the tug of war rope and pretend like they're uh, losing. So they're basically pretending like they're losing and they're getting dragged um, towards the hole. And then right when the opponent is like unsuspecting, they start pulling again. And then the opponent kind of loses their their momentum and the momentum shifts greatly. So yeah, it's uh it's definitely a very cool, cool scene to watch. It is neat. The marbles game was interesting because I guess with marbles, like there's a specific kind of game you can play that's called marbles, but they got to make up whatever game they wanted. I think this setting was my favorite. It was very much like a urbanized setting where there's a bunch of little single family homes, but there's a bunch of alleys. And I thought it was really cool. The setting, um, the settings that they play these games in are really interesting. Yeah. You also saw like the dark side of human nature come out because, uh, with Jihoon, I believe, um, was it his cousin or his friend that sort of betrayed the, Oh, Ali. Yeah, that betrayed Ali. Yeah, Ali was so wholesome. Like he was the most wholesome character in that whole show. I know Ali was so innocent and pure and such a noble person. Just trying to get money for his family. Yeah, and doing it the right way. Like, (laughs) well, is playing these games the right way? Maybe, but (laughs) like, I yeah. When um, I'm not remembering Gihun's friend's name right now but yeah when it was just really heartbreaking I was like there's no way Ali is gonna make it to the end but I was hoping he would at least make it to the top three you know what I mean yeah oh so it was saying Wu song oh, okay song Wu yeah yeah basically what he did was he was playing marbles with uh, Ali and he was losing and whoever loses the game is going to get shot in the end so that's like that's the consequence of losing. Whoever wins is whoever has the most marbles in the end. So he tricks Ali into the scheme of where he's like, oh, we'll work together and we can both win this game. But in reality, he, he just steals all of Ali's marbles. And then in the end, Ali's like, he looks and sees he has no marbles and gets, gets killed. So sort of a survival of the fittest thing, but also very, very uh, treacherous and dark. Definitely. And the same thing with uh, with Gi-hoon and the old man, where it's like, I think he's 
I mean, we know that he's in on it later, which completely shocked me. But at the time it was like he was tricking the old man or trying to trick the old man into giving him his marbles. And um, with the old man, he was trying to find his childhood home. You know, I was thinking about that. Do you think that was part of the act trying to find his home? Because he really did have cancer, but he's also the founder of the games, which is like, that was crazy when I found that out at that time when he was trying to find his childhood home, do you think he was trying to stall or do you think he was really trying to find his home? Um, I think he was, I would think he was like playing a, like a little mind game sort of, I think he had seen that he was being tricked and I, yeah, I think it was probably like a stalling technique. That so was, yeah. So the marbles game was very interesting because I think it revealed the dark and tricky side to human nature where when you're really put up against a wall, like no matter how good or noble of a person you think you are, because many of the characters were really good people. Well, not (laughs) uh, take away their whole debt situation and all of that, but like you could see that they seemed like their hearts were, were um, in a good place some of them. So yeah, it it just kind of showed that when you have your back against the wall, like all that nobility and like, uh, goodness and like standards you have, um, for what, what is right and what is wrong kind of fly out the window. So that was very interesting to watch. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a consequence of capitalism, right? Where it's like you, it's so highly individualistic that you'll do anything to get ahead. And so that is one of the main themes and it illustrated it so well through a children's game of all things, which is supposed to be, it's like, you're supposed to be able to play these games before you grow up and learn that capitalism is a nightmare, but yeah, it continues to be interesting. This next game, the next game after marbles, I didn't realize right away that it was a version of hopscotch. I thought it was just to entertain the VIPs. I mean, all of it is, but I didn't realize that it was supposed to be a representation of Hopscotch. And I remember growing up with that game too. And that one was when you had to step on the bright piece of glass and try to get across the board. And that one was crazy too, because I, because people were putting pressure on each other to pick one. And so people were often forced to pick, to just pick one because you can't really tell which piece of glass is the is the one that's tempered or not and then it turns out that there's a glass maker in the pack and he gets people mostly to the end until it's the last one when they turn the lights off so it's like not only are they the vips and the front man watching them they're like oh let's up the stakes a little bit so they can't strategize as well yeah that one was really jarring because it was like your traditional hopscotch game except you were hopping on glass and if you didn't pick the right glass, then um, you, you fell through the glass. And again, you fell to your death. Um, you couldn't tell which, which places you're supposed to hop and which glass was uh, like the safe place to hop. So it was really jarring to, to like see people fall and have to take that leap with the knowledge that maybe you were going to like leap to your death and fall through the glass. Mm-hmm. And then there was also some people in the game who like pushed other people forward into the glass to see which one would break. And that was like super jarring to watch as well, mm-hmm. um, to see 
just the extent this was one of the last games. So just to see the extent where people were like, oh, they're very close to this prize. They don't want to die. And at that point, it just sort of seemed like human life was not a big priority to them. The priority was just winning and surviving at that point. Definitely. Wasn't that another song woo moment where they just, it was a Gihun's friend, right? Who pushed, pushed someone or am I thinking of someone else? Yeah, I feel like he did. I feel like, uh, I feel like Gihun was upset with him for something. Oh, I think what happened was they had a timer, like the whole Mm. team had a timer to complete the hopscotch game. And one of the people was taking a, a bit too long and um, I think uh, Song Wu pushed him because if he had not pushed him, then they would have all ended up dying because they wouldn't have met the timer. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, yeah, because it the whole thing exploded at the end, which is dangerous. But I mean, this whole thing is dangerous, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the whole thing is, yeah, it's not yeah. it's not recommended. It's, it's crazy because um. In my neighborhood, I often hear the kids playing red light, green light these days. And I'm like, I'm just thinking this is not a show that should really be watched by kids. Um, you know, mm. I, of course, like everyone, it's, a, it's an individual decision, but it is so, so like violent and there's some, it, there's sexual stuff in there and I, it just seems like super inappropriate for kids to me. It definitely isn't for children or people who are sensitive to um, to seeing body parts, not where they're supposed to be, <laughs> if that makes sense, right? Or it's like, there's a part where people are harvesting organs. There's a part where people, oh, yeah. you see broken bones, like you see blood everywhere. Like, I mean, because some people like they have sensitivities to like seeing body parts like outside of the body. And so it's, um, yeah, yeah, I would I mean, be traumatized. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, anyone would if they saw that in real life. I mean, I was just like watching it while like eating dinner and stuff because it was just so interesting. I had to know what happened next. <laughs> you were watching it while you're eating. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, this is so like. I was yeah, like, the show so is so fucked up, like just eating. Like- <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, I mean, I would be traumatized if I were a kid. Like I remember when I was little, our, uh, my, my parents, they showed us a uh, child's play, which is that movie about Chucky, the evil, evil red haired doll. Oh, you watched um, Chucky as a child? Yeah. Well, we, <laughs> maybe my parents thought that because it was a movie about a doll it wouldn't be so bad but it was really (laughs) terrible and I had nightmares and um yeah I'm if I were watching squid game as a child I feel like I would definitely be deeply traumatized so that's that's all just for me that's uh that's my perspective I feel the same oh that's so funny because child's play that was something that my mom was like oh you're not allowed to watch but she's like really into scary movies and so I think squid game is the type of thing where she'd be like oh you can't watch that and then she would like be watching it and then I would just end up <laughs> in the living room watching it with her and what is she gonna do like send me upstairs like so I would end up watching it and just be traumatized so it's probably good that it came out this year <laughs> yeah yeah the last game is a game that I still I confess I still don't completely understand and that is the squid game where people you try to get to the head of the squid, right? And you try to push the other person out. 
and then but you have to hop on one foot for a little bit i don't know yeah that game was a little more complicated for me too um but my understanding was it's it's like a that was the very last game of this whole show and basically it was jihoon against song woo and there's only those two people left and they're fighting for these millions and billions of dollars and also fighting for their life. And it's, it's such an interesting game because there's this moment where Jihoon has the opportunity to win all this money, basically kind of solve all his uh, financial troubles, have this really amazing life. There's this moment where he can kill Sang Woo and basically win the whole entire game that has killed these hundreds of people who were in it because they needed the money. But in this moment, there's this sort of flash of humanity that hits him. And he's like, you know what? I don't want to play the game anymore. And I don't, I don't want to kill someone to get this money. And that was like, that was the moment of humanity for me. He did end up winning because the other person was like, I can't let you do this. I, I need someone to win. So the other person killed himself, which by default made Jihoon the winner. So that was probably my favorite moment of the whole show is that that spark of humanity that Jihoon experiences where he was really trying to win all these games along with the hundreds of other contestants or players who were in the game. But in that moment, he was like, this is not worth it. I would rather go back to my disenfranchised life than, than do this to another person, which I thought was, was really um, profound. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting, too. I mean, when going back to capitalism and how messed up capitalism is, right, where it's like, are you willing to kill your childhood best friend for this money? And it's like, in many cases, I mean, hopefully it's no, but I really liked that part where, too, where Gihun was like, well, we could just vote to not vote to not do this anymore. And then we just go back to our life. But I think for Song Wu, there was a lot more. When I think about why he killed himself, I don't think it was just because he needed someone to win these games. I think he also wanted his mom to be helped too with her fish shop. And so he was like, well, if, yeah, well, it's, he's like, well, I don't want to kill you. Like, right. And also it, it helped. I mean, Gihun has all this on his conscience, but he doesn't have the fact that he, he can say that he didn't kill his childhood best friend. And I think that might be an unintentional gift that Song Wu gave to him, where it was like, I need someone to win. Just help my mom, please. He probably didn't want to go back to his life. I don't think Song Wu would want to go back to his life. I mean, he was a disgraced banker. He was basically, he was a college kid. He, there was a lot of pressure on him to continue saving face because that's a lot that, you know, that's a big thing in Asian cultures. And so yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if he was like, I'd rather die than face my mom and like tell her what I did. And so that, I think that's what might've happened. For sure. I think he definitely had like mixed reasons, but he definitely seemed like the type of person who like 
entered the game where it was like, if I don't win the money and have this solution to my problems in real life, then I don't want to exit the game. Like, sure. It, I think he was that type of personality. Yeah. Yeah. Very cutthroat. I mean, that was probably what his job was. I mean, as a financial person like you, there's a lot of cutthroatness. But yeah, it was so fascinating, that game. And it was raining. It was all dramatic. And yeah, and Gihun won. We can talk about like themes within it. I mean, I just come back to capitalism and just this is further proof that capitalism is a worldwide problem where it's so hyper individualistic and there's very little support for people who are down on their luck and who find themselves in debt because having debt is not something that automatically makes you a bad person. I mean, people make mistakes and people's situations are really different. So you don't know why they chose to go into debt or gamble. Like when I think about somebody who might be so desperate to gamble on horses, for example, which is what Gihun does at the beginning, he thinks that that's an easy way to make money. And I think a capitalist would be like, well, why doesn't he just get a job? And it's like, but he, because the wages wouldn't, he would never get ahead on the wages that he was probably qualified for, especially his experience being laid off and going on strike and all of that. That's a part of his character background. So I can definitely see how somebody who is so desperate could be like, I'm just going to try this and continue doing it to see if I win just for the chance at winning. And so that is just that lack of support. That's part of the reason why these people go to great lengths to get into these situations. Yeah. I mean, and people can get in debt for so many different reasons, right? Like you can, you can be drowning in student debt. You can be drowning in medical debt, um, not being able to pay hospital bills, all that stuff. So really adds up the whole capitalism theme was really cool that it was being explored in this way. All the games aside for me, that was one of the bigger messages and I had always thought about this too. Like I had always thought about this idea. Um, I actually had like a book idea um, a long time ago where it was basically this idea where I would write about this dystopian society where people were really struggling to make ends meet. And there were just a few people at the top and uh, those people were like thriving and doing great, but very successful financially, just huge houses, like vacations, um, private islands and doing great. And then there were like a large group of people who were really struggling to make ends meet. Some of them without houses, some of them um, um, unable to get food, some of them with, with serious mental health problems that they couldn't address because the mental health system is is uh, definitely more favorable to those who have money, access, and insurance. So I was gonna, I was gonna develop this whole society, and then in the end of the book, the the twist would be, oh, this is current day America. <laughs> like that was gonna be the twist. Um, so yeah, so I I loved how uh, Squid Game sort of just like sh- it put a light on this society that is already kind of present currently. Definitely. When I think about how some people have reacted to these games where it's like, oh, that would never happen. And it's like, 
you don't know. I mean, when I think about classic dystopian novels like The Handmaid's Tale, I think about that where people are like, oh, the society is just like The Handmaid's Tale. And it's like throughout with The Handmaid's Tale, when Margaret Atwood wrote it, she made a point to include things that had already happened in society. And so people were like, oh, how could you create this messed up society? And she was like, I didn't create it. I just documented it, basically. And that can go for other dystopian novels that are iconic, like 1984, same thing. So I think Squid Game is definitely, it's going to become an iconic dystopian um, piece of media where it's like, oh, how can someone think about this? And it's like, well, this happens in different ways all the time. I mean, people will cut each other down. They'll go through great lengths. Like they'll use different assets of themselves to try to get ahead. I mean, we see that with different characters. They try to, they betray others to get ahead. And so it it happens. And the rich people are just watching and they're commenting on what they're going to do next. And that's so dehumanizing. Sure. And um, I think it was the Hunger Games author that had said this, but this is even like these kinds of games have even happened in in real life and in history with the gladiator games. Um, Just this concept of like pitting people against each other and fighting to the death for other people's entertainment. It's been something that's happened and uh, recurred in history for, you know, centuries and all of that. Yeah, that's a good point with the gladiators. I often think that we're just, we're the same as the Roman Empire, but with iPhones and internet. I just, (laughs) and that's probably the pessimist in me, but I just think about like, you know, when the lights go out, you have nothing. And it's so, this show reminded me how fragile security can be for a lot of people who aren't already secure. Um, I think a lot about that visual. So one thing that keeps people going is this giant piggy bank. And so the not only is the money theoretical, but every time somebody dies, there's literally a bundle of money that goes into this glass piggy bank that people can watch at all times and people go to sleep with it. They wake up to it. They see that every day and they see that money increase. And I can definitely see how somebody who is so desperate could be like, oh, that 46 billion won or whatever could be could be mine like that could be my piggy bank and so like just having that visual like in your mind and just present at all times like that's really powerful like why wouldn't you why wouldn't you try it was definitely quite a sight to see like all that all that money um for me like it still looks like paper and Obviously, I know the value of money, but it, it, it looked like paper. So it wasn't like a beautiful sight to me. But for someone who, you know, who's in need of money and who is struggling for money, I think that is like a very big motivation. Yeah. They also have like a little song or two that goes. Um, I don't know what this what the song is, but there's like a little soundtrack that like goes with the money coming in. So I don't know if like the characters were supposed to hear the soundtrack, but it added to it. Capitalism was definitely one of the themes. I think survival of the fittest was also another theme where, you know, you you had this game with like 456 people and whoever is left standing in the end gets all this money and gets this opportunity for a better life for themselves and their families. 
and probably for, with with the, for future generations of their families as well, because it was that ridiculous a sum of money. So it really shed a light on what people are capable of doing for this idea of large sums of money, which I thought was super interesting. Like in theory, like I think we would all like to say that human life is worth more than money. But what this show illustrated was that when, you know, people are really like they have their backs against the wall and money is this currency that provides for living life, basically. Like it provides for getting food. It provides for getting shelter. It provides for um, even getting access to water sometimes. When people have that uh, need to survive, it's very interesting, like how they value human life versus money. And that was one of the really eye-opening things that the show sort of showed me. Do you find that you liked different characters more than others? Or do you um, do you have any characters that you found relatable or people who you were rooting for? Yeah, so my favorite character was probably the, the main character, player uh, 456, the one that we've uh, talked about, Ji Hoon. For me, I just, I see him as a very likable, um, sort of aloof character with good intentions. Maybe his actions aren't always, you know, the most responsible or the best actions, but I can see that he has good intentions. I can see that he really loves his daughter, even though he he's not able to really show up for her. He tries and he fails, but for me, that ability to try, even if you fail, is is really important for me. Like that shows to me like the character of a person is that even if you're a mess, like even if you're a mess and you're uh, disappointing people left and right, for me, that's human. Like that's okay. Like you're still trying and you're still trying to get better and you're, you're doing it. You're working on yourself. You're working on it. And that was something that I saw in him that I really related to where it was just like, you saw this person who, you know, was struggling, but he was still trying and that never stopped. Yeah, he did try and fail many times, but he he did it in his own way, right? Where there was a really touching part where they were eating hot dogs and rice and his daughter was like, oh, mom doesn't let me eat this because she thinks it's junk food. And there's like a really wholesome moment in that where right. it's like, I think a lot of divorced, a lot of children of divorced parents relate to that where it's like, oh, mom doesn't let me do this. Her dad doesn't let me do this, but with you, I can do this. And I, I just thought that was really sweet. I, um, yeah. Yeah. And I remember like uh, it was his daughter's birthday, so he didn't have money to buy her present. So he was he went to one of those like little toy machines where you like mm-hmm. enter a quarter and then you use that like claw to like try to pick up something. And 
finally with uh, this little kid's help, he won something. And then he, uh, he was like, yes, I, I've got a present for my daughter. And um, so he gave it to his daughter and it turned out to be like a gun. <laughs> it was a lighter. Yeah. It was, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he thought it was like a necklace or something. And that's a form of gambling too. Like going to right. those claw machines, those are rigged, but I think right. I won, I won something once and my sister is really, she, she's really into those claw machine games and she's pretty good at them too. I have no idea why she's good at them, but yeah, I thought about that and I was like, what does he think is in there? Like, I was like, it could be a necklace. It could be like <laughs> a pair of like sexy panties. Like I have like, but it's a lighter, like it's, it's a gun shaped lighter, which is right. really not very practical by the way. It just, it's, oh, it's not, yeah. it's not. <laughs> so. And he was like, oh, I'll, I'll hold on to this for you. <laughs> I, yeah. So there, there was an example. For, okay. So I think, I think what it is about him was I felt like his intentions and his heart was in the right place, but there were circumstances in his life where, you know, he was just, he's just struggling and who doesn't relate to that? Like who doesn't relate to this point where you're trying and you're, you're trying to do your best, but maybe things aren't coming together or maybe things aren't working, um, the way you want them to. So I saw that in him and I really felt that in him. So that made him, uh, one of my favorite characters. The other one was the detective, um, there was this really cute detective. He was very, very cute now that I look back on it. And he he basically ended up infiltrating this island uh, because he was searching for his missing brother, just trying to figure out what happened to his brother and also what was going on in this whole like game scenario. And he, he was sort of like this little like, spy incognito person and um I really liked him too because he was I guess he was sort of like the figure of authority um or like the figure of reason in this uh whole world for me like he was this person who was like a representation of what is right and like this uh figure of authority that could potentially make this very cruel world could potentially like fix it so yeah I, I liked everything about him yeah I can't believe we are so late in the episode and we haven't talked about the detective yeah Jun Ho um I think he's great I really liked the fact that he adapted so quickly and thought really quickly just to get on this island and he did it without killing people he just recorded what he saw and found he found he started out as a circle, a circle guy, because you know how each of the guards have different symbols and that like indicates your status, but he also found a triangle mask. So he like posed as a supervisor as well. And so that's probably why people didn't kill him right away because they thought he was a supervisor. And I just thought that was so interesting. He was number, he posed as number 29, who is apparently this mask killer. And then he finds a supervisor's mask and does that. But no, I thought he was great too. I thought that he is his journey was really interesting and it was an interesting side plot to the games because he wasn't in the games. He was on the other side, which is the inner workings behind the scenes of the games, which is a world all in itself, to be honest. Like I think about 
the guards and it's like why what kind of person becomes a guard for these games like what kind of person becomes are they just as desperate as the players are they people who have won the games in the past but that doesn't make sense because of the hierarchy of the guards so i have a lot of questions about the guards but i think my favorite characters i like junho a lot um i like sabiok as well sabiok is player i don't remember her number but she was one of the only female characters and she is a she's originally from north korea and she's trying to get her family across the border and i thought that was a really cool well not cool but i thought that was a really noble reason to join these games not that one reason is better than another but i thought that was relatable because a lot of people try to get their families across different borders to try to be with them again and so i i knew that she wasn't going to win because she is a main character but she's not she's not uh gihun and so i was like oh i hope there's a way that she doesn't die but she she does at the end but i was rooting for her i really enjoyed her character i enjoyed that she held her own a lot i enjoyed that she formed alliances with one of the other female characters of the games and so that was kind of a feminist bond as well where it's like oh these female players are helping each other out and one of them helps sabiok um by dying as well but i i just really appreciated her story and i wish that she had made it to the end somehow but yeah i really liked her too she was uh one of the younger characters yeah you could really see that she wasn't she wasn't really like super uh tainted by this idea of like i must get the money at the cost of everyone else yet so she had this or it felt like she was coming from a really noble place but mm. yeah so th those are our favorite characters my least favorite character was probably the old man player <laughs> zero zero that makes sense one, that makes sense which is interesting because for most of the show he was probably like one of the characters where i thought this is an amazing amazing character um on a tv show and I found him to be super wise and super like likable. And then in the end, you find out that he's actually basically the founder and mastermind behind this entire uh, game situation on this island. And his reason for doing it is what bothered me, I think, the most. Um, he's this very wealthy man and he just his explanation for why he started the games or at least one of one of his reasons was that at some point he just it he sort of explained it in a way where it was like he felt at some point in his life that he just got bored mm -hmm. and he needed to feel something and that was part of the reason why he started the games and i was just like so that's the reason that's like the million dollar answer for like why all this happened is this very rich man like needed to feel some kind of excitement or emotion. So he does it by starting this game where other people like just end up dying or killing each other. And that that gives him like some sort of satisfaction or emotion or uh, fulfillment. And I was just like, that's that's ridiculous. So um, I didn't really like his reason, but it's interesting if he were not involved, then I would say he was like 
a super wise character and really an amazing character. But now that I know, you know, what part he played, I, I, he's one of my least favorites. I have to tell a story about like how, when I found out that it was the old man who was the founder of the games, because I had just found out that Zo Junho is looking for his brother. That's the whole reason why he's on the island. And in a series of plot twists, it turns out that his brother is the front man who basically is, I guess he's like the administrator of the games. He's not the boss, but he's like middle management, I guess. I guess he would call him middle management. And so he, it turns out that he's a big part of the games. And so Junho is like, oh, that's crazy. And he finds that out. And this person he's looking for is actually a bad guy. And so I texted Anu and I was like, wow, Junho's brother is the front man. Like, wouldn't it be really fucked up if the old man were in on the games too? <laughs> and I was joking and I was like, I had no idea that I would find out that the old man was indeed in the games. And I thought back to it like during the marbles game. So um, Gihun basically gets all of the old man's marbles and the old man dies theoretically, but the audience never sees his body. And I thought that was kind of weird, but I was like, sure. Okay. Whatever. Like maybe they don't want to see an old man on screen dead. Like who knows, but you see everyone else die and you don't see the detective die and you don't see the old man die. So I think the detective's alive, but that's, that's a whole different question. But I was like, I was watching and then I found out that he's the founder of the games. And I was like, so not only is he in on it, but he's the founder. Like, I just, I thought that was crazy. And maybe if you're a K-pop watcher or not a K-pop watcher, if you're a K-drama watcher, you're just like, oh, I saw that coming, but I didn't see that coming. I thought that was, I thought that was crazy. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Cool when, in a way. <laughs> when you texted me that you were like, I was like, what the heck? Cause this happens with a lot of friends of mine. Like they just figure out the endings to things. And I'm like, would like to really like twisty stuff. And I'm like, what the heck? Um, so I was like, ha ha Yeah. That would be crazy if that happened. <laughs> but did you know that it happened? Did you, cause you watched the whole yeah, series. I, did. I was catching up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I knew it was going to happen. I was like, what the heck? How did she already predict this? But yeah. It was just honestly a joke. And I was like, I was like, no, nah, no, nah, the old man's dead, but nope like so sometimes my uh cynicism predicts endings of weird shows I guess but yeah and yeah I thought the reasoning and I thought about this is probably one reason why I tend to be distrustful of people who are exorbitantly wealthy because the fact that he created it because he was bored and he went through the games because he was bored and he just felt so exhilarated going through these games to the point where he didn't even host his friends. He was just like, oh, well, I've had my fun. I get to die now. And I just thought that was so messed up, like morally, where it's like you have all this money and you've traveled the world. Like, could you be imagine being in a place where you're just so bored that you're just like, why don't I just get all these poor people together and um, just watch them suffer, basically. And I'm going to play, too, because... I'm bored. Like, that's just so, that's messed up in my opinion. And there's one last bet that he makes with Gihun before they, um, before he dies, where Gihun finds out very late, like after he wins the game and he's like traumatized and he's like not really sure how to move on. He hasn't touched his prize money. Right. And so 
people, people are like, why haven't you touched your prize money? And so he meets up with the old man and the old man is like, why haven't you touched your prize money? And Gihun is like, um, I'm really confused. And so they make a bet because they see a homeless person outside and the old man is like, people are terrible. No one's going to help this homeless person. Do you want to bet that they're not going to get help and he's going to freeze to death? And Gihun is like, no, someone's going to help him. And so last minute, hours go by, last minute, the homeless man is helped. And then the old man dies because he lost the bet, I guess. But yeah. Yeah. I think my least favorite character, you know, I'm kind of mad at the old man as well. Um, but Doc Sue is probably my least favorite character. He's the thug with the snake tattoo on his face. I just really wanted him to die. I just, I hated him so much. And when that woman, I don't remember her name, but she's 212. I don't know why I remember her number. When 212 killed him, like with her, like I just thought that was so satisfying. Like <laughs> He was super unlikable. So yeah, that uh, that sort of like... Uh sums it up for the whole season um, of Squid Game. But why do you think this show captured the world like it did, Whitney? Well, it's come at a really interesting time, right? I mean, we're in this pandemic and we're like trying to see different things that are on Netflix, right? The working class is constantly being exploited by the wealthy. And we're at a point where a show like Squid Game is uh, relatable in some ways. And we're at a point in society where dystopian pieces of media are relatable like we see ourselves in these types of situations and it's unique that it's filled with a lot of plot twists and surrealism i love i love all the sets i love the way the guards look i love the kind of fantasy aspect of of the games it was just a really unique show to me and if i were a vitamin k-drama watcher i don't know if i would have found that ending to be as crazy as i thought it was but I thought it was really interesting. And that was just a plot twist that wasn't gimmicky at all. I just thought it was really original. And so it's a it's going to become a part of this genre that unfortunately we've gotten to a point in society where we're just like, yeah, I could see that happening. How about you? I think there were parts of the show that felt really relevant to our current times. There are parts of like our society that are really unbalanced right now where you, you know, you see homeless people on the street, you see people walking right past them, or you see, you know, homeless people with severe mental health issues and all of that is like going untreated and unnoticed. You see people who are struggling to pay bills or struggling to get this surgery that they desperately need but they cannot get it because they don't have the insurance that covers it or they can't, they can't pay it. And it's like that value of human life and human dignity and quality of life that everyone deserves. And are we meeting that for everyone? So that's what the show highlighted to me is there are aspects of our current society where I feel like there are people in society who are sort of the forgotten ones or who are left by the wayside um, because they don't have money or because they don't have people to help them out. That's really revelatory to, to sort of make that parallel between the show and what's going on right now and how people are struggling just to see if we can get this universal quality of life for everyone 
And why can't we do that? Especially when we've invented this currency, this money, this piece of paper, why can't we get it a little more balanced? Because that would be socialism. And a lot of people think (laughs) socialism is bad. But yeah, no, I I absolutely agree with you. Um, You know, I do. And so Yeah. Uh, Well, I mean, for me, it's not even about politics. It's just like, it's just about humanity. Like if you see a fellow human struggling or you see someone who has this really terrible quality of life, like what's wrong with helping them, you know? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. The show has sparked a lot of worker strikes within South Korea, which I think is really interesting. And there has been a lot of worker strikes here in America as well, like with Kellogg up in Michigan, there's been different worker strikes. So this, I mean, art definitely influences how people feel about life and quality of life. And because we're in such a depressing time in history right now, I feel like this came at a really interesting time. And so I'm really thankful for a show like Squid Game. It reminded me a lot of Parasite in some ways. I'm not sure if it was because it originated from the same country or it had different It had kind of that similar cinematography style, but I just, I think Parasite's an excellent movie as well. You should watch it if you haven't, but um, I'm really looking forward to see what comes next. I was thinking about season two because it's going to get a season two, you know, it's going to get a season two. And Mm -hmm. I thought that the detective story, I don't think he's dead. I hope he's not dead, but it gave a really interesting look into the inner workings of the games themselves. And you wouldn't have seen that. And the viewer is treated with knowing all this information that the players don't know about. And they're, um, they're just kind of ignorant throughout the, the time and they're treated like animals basically slash children. And so I think it might be cool to have season two focus on one of the workers or the detective a little more, or one of the workers that has the circle mask. Cause they're, they're like the worker bees and, um, I think Gihoon should be like in it, of course. I mean, I don't know if he's going to accept an offer with the games or if he's going to really spend the whole time trying to exploit it. I think if he spends the whole season trying to exploit the games, it's a little more predictable. And this game, the show has shown that all these games and all these things have all these plot twists. It wouldn't, it would surprise me if the whole f- series focused on Gihoon again. Um, I also really want to know why the henchmen were harvesting organs. That was never answered for me. And I'm just really curious. Like, I understand they're valuable, but like, why? Like, where do they go? I don't know. That's just me. There's a lot of unanswered questions. Yeah. For me, like, I hope to see like more dismantling of the the games and that whole system um, in season two and how um, if it's Jihoon who goes about it, or maybe if the cute police officer reappears somehow magically, that would be great. Whatever happens, I just like to see like some holes being poked into this whole uh, squid game system. Mm -hmm. That would be cool. Yeah. I think it'll be really interesting. I hope it comes out soon. I know it's going to take a long time because so much work was put into this show, but it is getting a season two, right? Like officially. I mean, I'm pretty sure because I think it's made like almost a billion dollars for Netflix. It surpassed Bridgerton. So if Bridgerton gets a second season, Squid Game should get a second season. Oh, yeah. It's iconic. The show's iconic and uh, well, the all the praise is well deserved. There's parts of it that are like 
that seem a little gimmicky with like the, the children's games and things, but the statement that it makes about capitalism, about uh, power and money and humanity, I think is just amazing. So I'm really looking forward to season two as well. Definitely. I also want to know why Gihun um, chose that hairstyle he did at the end. So many <laughs> questions. Like just, yeah. I need to know. I can uh, I can do without his hairstyle. Hopefully that will be gone. Yeah, he became like a K-pop star like after <laughs> after the games. I'm like, that's what you spend your prize money on. Okay. But I thought the long hair suited him really well. Maybe he wanted to maybe he wanted a change of identity. I don't know. Sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. Let us know what you think. So that sums it up for our episode on Squid Game. Um, it's a super popular show. And if you haven't already watched it, you know, we totally recommend you watch it. There are themes of violence and other things, though. So just be aware of that. And uh, yeah, we would love to hear your thoughts about it. And um, you can contact us on social media or through our email, buildcommunity at gmail.com. We'd love to get your input on this as well as input on other episodes. If you'd like to uh, follow us on Instagram, our handle is at build community. We also have our coffee account. So if you want to spring a little, uh, uh, spring a few coins or money our way, uh, we'll use that towards our show promotion and just uh, general show upkeep um, and that would help us out a lot we'll we'll put the coffee account in our show notes so if you want to give to that but yeah that sums it up for this episode we'll see you next time